Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about episode nine, which is the snow job. And I've got Corey Eckert back with me. Yay, you're back. So I, I, don't know. Know you, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but I, I did it all by myself. Oh, no. Nobody, nobody was able to join me. Uh, I'm super behind on podcasts in general right now. Yeah, no, me too. So I'm excited to be back because... Uh, because I don't watch them all unless I'm watching them for the podcast. So yes. I haven't seen the this episode since like the first time I watched it. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So. All right. Okay, then I'm excited to get into this. So uh, like we said, this is the ninth episode. Uh, it was directed by Tony Bill, which is like the most ridiculous name. I'm sorry. Tony <laughs> Bill. Like two first names. So, um, so Tony Bill. Yeah. Tony Bill. Not all one word, but that's how we're going to say it. Tony Bill. Tony Bill also produced The Sting. Okay. Uh, so, that's, so that's nice. But he also, very importantly, directed the movie Untamed Heart. <gasps> yes. Oh, I'm so glad you reacted that way. Because I was on his IMDb and I was like, what? Christian Slater? What? Marissa Tomei? I love this movie. He has a monkey's heart. So good. So bad. So bad. So bad. Okay. So we talked about the director. <laughs> Tony Bill. Tony um, Bill. <laughs> this this episode was written by Albert Kim, who also wrote Stork Job. <clears throat> and then of course we have our executive producers, John Rogers and Chris Downey. So in this episode, we've got Nate relapsing into heavy drinking, but the team still agreeing to, you know, work with him to take on a corrupt contractor and his two sons who are responsible for the foreclosure of the home of a National Guardsman. And then some, as we kind of yeah. realize later. So this one was the second episode that they that they shot in regular order. Um, oh, so they did they did the pilots. Yeah, it you can really feel that. Like once you hear that, you're like, oh. So they did the pilot, and then there was the writer strike, and they came back and they filmed the bank shot job, mm-hmm. and then this one, which I feel like this one almost I could see it taking place right after the pilot. Yeah. So this one like. Other than some of the stuff with Nate and Sophie starting to get closer, like, it feels less packed in terms of, like, the con doesn't feel as complicated. There's not as much of the, like, little leverage drop-ins that you see in every episode that we talked about in earlier episodes of this season. Mm -hmm. Like, where it goes back and explains to you what you missed as an audience member. That, like, like, it's like a simpler con. And yeah. Simple. Yeah. And I wonder. I finished it and I thought, well, this episode has Jonathan in it. Exactly. This episode has so many like Whedon verse connections mm-hmm. in it. That so I mean, we've got Christian Kane, the guy who plays the dad. He was the boss of at Wolfram Heart in Angel. Okay. Okay. So apparently, and I when I yes, that's right. When I re- I should have checked when I rewatched it, but apparently, in the only scene that they have together, which I guess is at the bank, he and Christian like wink at each other when they see each other, as like 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 a literal nod or a wink to the yeah. fan- the fandom. Um, and then we had Jonathan and Tony Bill directed, <laughs> along with Dean Devlin, um, his first directorial movie debut was this movie, and I watched the preview on IMDb called My Bodyguard. Not the bodyguard, my bodyguard, which introduced the world to Adam Baldwin. Um, Mixed bag. Mixed bag. Mixed bag. Yeah. Um, Politically, not a fan of that guy. But I mean, I love Jane so much. Fan of Jane Cobb. And it took like it took like three fourths of the show Chuck for me to love that character, his character on Chuck more than I loved one season of Jane Cobb. And his character on Chuck is great. So okay, so, <clears throat> back to the episode, maybe. <laughs> uh, so so there's not a lot that happens in this con though. Mm-hmm. So like, they think that this the army reservesman, his house has gotten hit by Katrina. He hires a contractor. The contractor does really shoddy work. The guy takes out some kind of a loan. Yeah, like an equity or... Yeah. Yeah. And then when the house loses value because of the shoddy repair work, the 
um, repair company comes in and takes ownership of the house. Yeah. There's not a legality of it. Just not Google it to see if it is actually a legitimate thing that a company could do. Well, I think, I mean, they said it was based on real things that happened. Like, like actual people, contractors did this and the, and they were also family organizations, like family run businesses. So people are like, well, you know, this has to be somebody on the up and up because it's a guy and his sons and daughters running this company. So it's a family right. business. And then they're just horrible. Um, so, so yeah. So the guy comes to the leverage team and says like, can you get my money back? Um, and Nate is so drunk. Well, I don't yeah. think he's drunk when he takes the job. Yeah. Because but when he's talking to the team, he's like, oh my God, he's drunk out of his mind. And also, like, I want to say, like, this is not, I mean, he's normally an amazing actor, but I don't know that he's got the, the drunk out of his mind down to, to like a believable place, which for this role seems like. <laughs> Yeah, this one, there were parts that were really I didn't buy it. <laughs> No, and I think he gets, I think he gets better. But then, you know, when knowing that it's the second episode, yeah, he yes. wasn't, he wasn't drunk in the bank shot job. Right. At all, because they were in the bank the whole Not time. Not like who Nate Ford is as a drunk. Yeah. He yeah. hasn't like internalized who Nate Ford yeah. is. As a so it was weird. There's like the one scene where they're arguing in the hotel room, the second scene while they're in, where they're in there. No, the first one. And he turns around and he like yells at them from the bar, but he like the volume of his voice is very strange. It's like he's just like talking like this, like out in general, not like directing it at the group of people he's talking to. And I was like, why are you doing that? But yeah. I thought it was really interesting that like from a point of view, like placing it ninth in the in the series order as it was aired. Um, cause we do see like, he, he drinks a bit in the homecoming job and then he stops and then he drinks a little bit more in some, some episodes, but he was pretty good. Like the last couple episodes right. we watched. And then this one, you know, when we first see him, he's okay. Except then the, the client accidentally plays like, like accidentally triggers him. Right. He like brings up a son. He's like, you know, yeah. do you have kids? And he says, I yeah. do. And that is what sends yeah. him on this spiral. And, you know, he's, he's drunk and he, like, wants to help these people so badly, but he's so drunk. Yeah. Uh, doesn't and do the it team, well. Or... The team doesn't really know yet, like, how bad Nate's alcoholism is. Like, Because yeah, he's a functional alcoholic. Because he's from right. Boston. <laughs> but they don't know that, like, real drunk right now is kind of Nate's go-to. Yeah. Um, baseline. So, um... So they set up this con where the owner of the contracting company's dumb son, dumb older son, (laughs) dumb, dumb son is going to buy into a ski, a a ski. That that feels a little murky to me. So he wanted, he wants to have this like, Bonnaroo Burning Man South by Ski and Music Festival and I guess they're gonna have it at their resort and so he's buying in shares of their resort we're just trying to get some money so if he's trying to get some some money easiest mark ever because he's just being like this total sleaze and like just saying gross things to her about latex and helmets and and she's just like her face is like completely like what the fuck you know, Who's and he's like, oh, yeah, $500,000. Sure. OK. And she's like, oh, uh, yeah. So and she's trying to play through, like, being so angry at Nate, and, like annoyed with yeah. him. So they go through. Uh, he Apparently, he's got to get a signature from he's got to get a because he does not in charge of any money because he's yeah. dumb. As oh, wait, can we, can we can we go back to uh, Christian Kane as like. A German or Austrian <laughs> when he comes in. I I love when Elliot gets to be part of the con because yes. I mean, you're not just like fighting people, but he comes in as one guy and and is talking up this this new plan for 
uh, a new fireplace with marshmallow roasters built in. <laughs> and he's so he's so good and in character that when the man, the real manager gets the call that Parker is hanging from a ski lift. <laughs> That he's like so in character that he like leans over and like adjusts something on the display. Yeah. Like he's just like, oh, here we go. And then he's like, oh no, what's wrong? <laughs> and the guy leaves. And then he just takes over his office. And all you need to make an office look like yours is a photo of you with a woman with braids and later hosen. Um <laughs> well, it's not it's called a, a dirndl, not a not later hosen. A dirndl, um, a plaque. And of course, Toblerone. And then the office is yours. That's Just true. sit back. And then I love him with a German accent. Um, I love when he and Sophie get to play off each other. Yeah. This, I think this episode is cool because you do get different duos than you normally yes. do because you get, you get Nate, uh, you get um, Elliot and Sophie, and then you get Elliot and Parker. Yes. And you get very little Hardison in this episode. There's a super cute. Uh, Elliot and Parker moment where she like jumps off the house and he catches her and I was like oh I can just hear Christina's ship apart <laughs> yes yes and the only thing that's bad is that Hardison's not there too I know but, but you know we have to we're, we're all working on our little parts of the tribe the, in the tribe. MP3 all the different parts of the triangle have to have their own personal time, just the two of them. It's true, and we get a lot of Parker and Hardison. We, get, we do, we get a lot of Elliot and Hardison. Yeah. Yeah, um, so then like he like, boosts her up, he catches her, he's like, how did you know I was gonna be here? And she's like, I didn't. And she's like, shaking off the adrenaline, like she like turns her hands out, and it's good. I'm like moving around as if people listening can hear me, or see me. Uh, so, okay, so they go. Oh, so Randy can't give them the money. They have to go to Miami to get it signed by dad. Yeah, and dad's like, sure, this sounds like a good idea, which is also, you're like, <laughs> first you're like, okay, there's something wrong because we're like 15 minutes into this episode and the um, the guy from Wolfram and Hart is like, sure, take my money. <laughs> I'm 130% behind you, he says. Into this. And then Jonathan shows up. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, the listeners who have not recently watched this episode, um, Jonathan, most hateable Buffy villain. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, who everyone who's and ever watched an episode of Buffy wants to punch in the face. Most long running. I was like, I pulled up the Buffy wiki and I was just like, yeah. because I, I, I had forgotten. I was like, okay, did he kill Tara? But no, it was Warren. But yeah. he was, they're all part of the same group. Yeah. Yeah. He's there Man, the whole the life. You should have freaking eaten yeah. Jonathan at graduation, is all I can say. Yeah. All so, Jonathan, people. most punchable Buffy villain, shows up <laughs> as the brother who is actually in charge of all the money mm. and gives a hilarious spiel to Sophie about all the businesses that his brother <laughs> has tried to start. Yes. That was um, the the fruit flavored pizza sauces were yeah, probably it's my a, favorite. It's a really good little throwaway bit. Yeah. Um, but so Sophie's in the house conning these people. Yes. And and they are getting feedback on. Um, yeah, their comms aren't working. Back on the comms, so they, you know, they have to um, boost the signal, and then Elliot literally boosts Parker up into the second floor so that she can plant some bugs. Uh, so Sophie is basically like on her own and just like running the con without yeah. any backup from anybody. And also, um, can I say as a like mostly straight, like gray ace kind of person, Sophie in this green dress in the seam is like the most beautiful yeah. thing. Second only to Parker in the <laughs> the freaking suspenders and the little black hat. I was just like, I love the, the ladies in this episode so much. There's a scene where uh, Sophie's walking up the stairs in that dress and Jonathan's checking out her ass and I'm like mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Doing yeah. it for all of us, Jonathan. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, you're a ledge, but I don't really blame you, so. <laughs> and really also she's completely like, on that, that is like the longest walk of a staircase ever in which she like hooks him and then just like throws Randy under the bus. Yeah. Within, within hearing distance of freaking Randy sitting <laughs> On the couch downstairs. So good. 
Yeah, so uh, Gross Lech Jonathan is making, again, like this family is not... Oh my god, when the dad sees her the first time? Like a ton of like gross innuendo about how she's sleeping with Randy and like just uh, she's like totally playing it up and is like, I'm just in it for the money, but I would, anyway... Yeah, uh, I like I'd someone just, with more control. Right. <laughs> yeah, like right. Dennis. Dennis uh, Jonathan has any sort of control anywhere. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so at that point, but so at this point, you already hate everyone in this family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except like you, I mean, you hate Randy like a tiny bit less because he's so dominant. He wants to make fruit flavored. <laughs> he's like all i want to do is ski and go to strip clubs and make fruit flavored pizza sauces so, so much to ask. you already hate everybody which like the other thing is that casting someone who's typecast as a villain as like somebody really 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 vile is a great way to like shortcut getting the audience to hate them hmm. right um for a couple of years after the first season of Veronica Mars, if Kyle Gallner, who played Beaver, showed up in anything, you were like, that kid's the rapist and murderer. Yeah. Yeah. You auto-hated that guy. We're like, for the first two seasons of Veronica Mars, you were like, oh, Beaver, like, poor kid. Right. Like, his brother's such a jerk to him. Yeah. And then, like, after that, you're like, why is Dick Casablancas, like, the most sympathetic person right yeah. now? Like, anytime you saw Kyle Gellner, you just, like, got the heebie-jeebies. And, and so he got typecast in a bunch of, like, crime shows as the rapist and murderer. And like, he would show up and you'd be like, that kid did it. And I yeah. hate him. You don't even need to so, interview him first. And I know. He did it. So casting that guy who plays Jonathan is already, like, shortcut to, I, like, because you have a crossover fandom, mm-hmm. right? you've got auto built in just like I hate this guy already so yeah I'm trying to think there was something else I was looking at his IMDb and there was other there were other things that he wasn't as horrible in but keep going and I'll bring that up later well so but you know that like a certain percentage of Joss Whedon fans have followed Christian Kane over to leverage um Mm. and so like there are already people who hate Jonathan um so uh then you find out that they have swindled a huge number of other homeowners after Katrina. Hundred families. And not just Katrina, but like any sort of natural disaster. Yeah, natural disasters. Which is just despicable. It's so despicable. And actually the fact that that's based on real people. I mean, not that anything surprises me anymore because right. of the world we live in, but... And Sophie, like, she... I love when you can see her just trying to keep it together. Yeah. It's like... Uh, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm I'm an actual thief and that's not okay. Yeah. By this time they've got comms back and Nate's like, tear up the check, tear up the check, tear up the check. Like you can't take the money. And so it's like, I'm gonna take this money off these assholes. Um Nate's like, we're not gonna do it. Gonna so Sophie's very, very, very uh, unenthusiastically tears up the check and then <laughs> is like, I want in on something bigger. And she plays that so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he eats it right up. I mean, she does lean over and there's um, a fair yeah. amount of cleavage, but yeah. And then at the same time, when everyone's freaking out about that, Hardison is, has been um, kind of looking at the the signals that they're getting from how the, the comms were reacting. Yeah. And he realizes that it's the same frequency that uh, like state police uses. So they're, yeah. uh, they're definitely being investigated by the feds yeah. uh, for being shady 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 super shady so one thing that i like about leverage and i think we've talked about this is that it's like a version of the world as it should be rather than as it is so like in the leverage world um like misogynists get duped by smart women and like they are too dumb to take women seriously so they get all their money taken away Mm -hmm. in real life like the people just get shot by their boyfriends like we don't like we don't get yeah we don't inner humans just kill them and then get like headlines in the paper about how the girls shouldn't have embarrassed them in public and then yeah like this week that's what's going on i just talked to my kids sex ed kids about how like 
They were like, how do I say no to a boy politely? And I was like, it might not matter. They might shoot you anyway. Welcome. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, well, boys, don't shoot girls when they say they don't want to go out on dates with yeah. you. Yeah. And if a girl says she doesn't want to go out on a date with you, leave it. Stop asking. Yeah. They were like, why would we do that? And I'm like, why would the kid 30 minutes south of here do that? Like, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so yeah, I love that leverage is the, the version of reality in which misogynists just get their, all their money taken away from them. That'd be the yeah. Every week, you know, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, um, so then the, the team goes back to the ho- hotel and we have the first of these like two big scenes where they're kind of duking it out over Nate's behavior and what they're going to do with the con and he comes up with their their new con. They're going to do this bigger scam because it, this is when he does the like the turnaround and yell thing. He's like, one client or a lot of clients. <laughs> he just like, I don't know, it overacts it or something. Like, it just takes me out of it every time. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. I guess he's like trying to get all because they're bickering and he's trying to get their attention. Yeah. But it it didn't read for me. Um, so he's like, we're going to go with I a bigger scam. One of the classics. I'm going to say that I do not think that this episode was his best acting work. Oh, no. he. I mean, especially for, like, an Oscar winner, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, Parker says a couple times, and she says that in this scene for the first time, she's like, is it just me or is he getting creepier? Because, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you know, he says they're going to have a do a bigger scam, uh, one of the classics, and then they come up with all of these names for cons. Yeah. That I, like, wanted in my heart of hearts to be, like, real names for cons, but they're not. So we have the the London Spank, the Genevan Pasa Doble, and the Apple Pie, which is, it's like the cherry pie, but with lifeguards. <laughs> and, and Sophie Ann Parker's reaction to that, like, but with lifeguards, like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the Apple Pie? I need to know what the cherry pie is, but with lifeguards. <laughs> so, um, so our new con is Glengarry Glen Death, which is basically buying out people's life insurance so they you know can fulfill that last bucket list and then they they kick it and you get the rest of the payout um which is gross and also i 100 percent believe is real like I, there are definitely um, people out there doing that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, another shady shady dude yeah so this is the first time that nate gets to be like a part of the con no Oh, in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. In this episode. Yeah, and I yeah. like when he when he just jumps into the con like three-fourths of the way through and then they just use his own name. Yeah. Like, oh, his name's Nate. Yeah. He used to, I mean, he his name is Nate and he did used to work in insurance. So I guess if they wanted to look him up. Yeah. It wouldn't happen. So he gets to play his best character, which is like sleazy, money-hungry... Uh, slick, just sort of deceptive, like, yeah. I'm too smart for you. You're not smart enough to get on the line. Like, it's perfect for the kind of dude that these dudes are. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They they know that person. They are that super person. similar to the guy that he played in the horse job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a less abrasive, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely right up there. Kind of like, I'm too smart for you. He does this whole thing about later on in the con where he's like, you missed my internal deadline to get the money in. And it's like, just it's the exact same like bravado and mm-hmm. alpha male. Yeah. Yes. Offering. That that Jonathan like totally eats up because then he's like yeah. $5 million. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so they've got a list of, uh, oh wait, really quick. My notes here. In the scene where they're in the hotel and they're arguing Parker and Parker says, is, is it just me or is he getting creepier? Does she have like rubber bands wrapped around each of her fingers? And then I'm I like, don't. is that, is that like a climbing thing? Did she like that? Thing she do that? So weird. Um, I like, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about the like direction and writing of Parker is that, uh, they do a really good job of being like this person is probably on the autism spectrum without it being like really showy or like look at this how we've written that it's like the exact opposite of how they write Sheldon on Big Bang Theory yeah um, where it's like this person is probably autistic 
And I've seen a lot of people in fandom who are on the autism spectrum, like identify with Parker and think that she probably is autistic. Um, but they do it in like a lot of little ways that aren't like overacty. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know if it's like a stimming, a stimming thing or a. Oh yeah. See, I can see that. Cause I was like, I can see Parker just kind of sitting there and like wanting to, to yank on things and like wrap them around her fingers. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't know if it was like maybe also a climbing thing or something. So like, here. but it didn't look like tape. Um, right. It was just one of those weird things. And I was like, what's going on? I wish I could zoom in. Right. See your things. So, um, Back to Dennis slash Jonathan. So he yeah. wants his own outside doctor to confirm the patient's prognosis, and they let him pick a name off the the list of, of terminal patients. And so he picks somebody who has um, a brain tumor who's right there in Miami. Uh, so then they've got a they've got to fake a brain tumor. But first, Nate's pulled over by the police while driving and drinking out of a flask. Yeah, and I'm like the skunk i'm like this guy should be yeah just take nate to jail right now he is breaking the law um i was totally okay with that i'm not okay yeah i was mad because the cop pulls him over and is like gives him a climbs into his backseat and gives him a talking to about like not getting in the middle of their investigation yeah which is dandy but dude is messed up messed up and like this is the time to put him in the drunk tank overnight because he should not be driving yeah, and what better way well, to scare someone driving. off from the people that you're investigating than to stick them in the drunk tank overnight? Like, Let him keep driving. Yeah, and even at the end, he says, I don't like you. You're a liar and you're a drunk. Right. And and that makes me not trust you. And then he slams his head into a steering wheel. I'm like, handcuff this man. Yeah. <laughs> Literally just opens his flask up again and drinks from it the second you walk. You're not even in your car yet. And he's drinking you again. Dry out. Yeah. It is funny that he like dabs some alcohol in his head where it <laughs> hit like that, and funny. and apparently Timothy Hutton just ad libbed that. Yes, yeah, that's super funny. Because otherwise they were like, "Oh, it would have been really dark." I was like, "Yeah," because you're letting this character drive drunk. Like that yeah. is really dark. Yeah, it is not okay. Um. So yeah, so, and then yeah. he shows up at the hospital. Is that when he shows up at the hospital? Yeah, he shows up a little late because now they've got to fake a tumor in Parker's head. Um, which they do by like injecting liquid into a like a a cadaver's brain yeah yeah but i think they're like well we could put some contrast eye in parker but there's some side effects like death and death-like symptoms which is one of the few uh i think really great hardest in lines in this episode this one is a very hardest in light and i don't like that I don't, I did not, that, it also was missing, it was missing Hardison. But like, but from here and there, he gets a couple more just in just a few minutes in the, in the episode, which is nice. So they get, they go with plan B, which Elliot suggests. So it's putting a brain tumor, putting a brain with a tumor in it into another MR, MRI and ghosting yeah. the image. And everyone, so Sophie, I love Sophie's reaction because she's like so delighted. She's like over the moon that Elliot dated a neurologist. But, like, I also love, like, Nate goes, huh. But uh, Parker has this, like, smile. Like, she's, like, turned on by the fact that he dated a neurologist. She's like, oh, yes. You know how brain was, <laughs> brains work. <laughs> um, and then we don't even get to see Hardison's reaction. Which I like. And I think that's hard with kind of a big cast like this where everybody has such a great personality. They don't always show the reaction shots of everybody. And then I find myself missing that uh, in the last episode. Uh, the Maya High job, they've, you know, have this, this, uh, like, freak landing where they land on this, the seven mile bridge. And, and you get, like, Nate, Nate's reaction, Sophie's reaction, you get Elliot's reaction, um, the, like, guest star, her reaction, you get Hardison's reaction where he's helped them land the plane. But Parker, who's in the cargo hold of the plane, you don't get to see her reaction. Like, she literally was in the cargo hold. <laughs> Of a plane that had to have an emergency landing. I'm like, she should. We should see her all shaken yeah. up and like, I'm alive. Yes. So you miss that sometimes. They they don't show everybody's reaction. Right. But yeah. Uh, so I do also love that they they make a point to talk about figuring out how they can get the comms to work with the magnetic interference from the MRI. Yeah. 
which is something that's often left out of um, medical shows where mm-hmm. they're dealing with MRIs. Like I've watched really bad hospital dramas with a nurse and she's like, see that clipboard? See all these metal things? You would not have this in the MRI room because <laughs> everyone would die. <laughs> I go, it's good. I like to do that in one. And they did all this. Uh, Albert Kim, the writer, um, I guess someone that he knows is a neurologist. And so they asked him all the questions about the contrast. Like, how would you fake a tumor? And he came up with this idea for them. Nice. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so then the, the the doctor is like, this tumor is so big that this person should not be alive anymore. Like they it's way almost too big to believe. Uh, they way overdid it, but then uh, Jonathan believes them. Mm-hmm. This person's gonna die. He goes to Nate, and Nate does this this total machismo like you're past my deadline i don't care anymore yeah uh, well and- he's still not sure he he's like yeah but you can never tell when they're gonna die yeah. and then nate fakes somebody's death yeah like, immediately yeah so he's like oh uh, where's my take yeah so he gets he he agrees to give them five million dollars yeah so he he pays them off he pays jonathan how much does he give him Hundred thousand, probably like that. I think so. And then Parker's so pissed because <laughs> yeah. her money, her beautiful money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a hundred thousand. Um, oh, we didn't talk about the rock paper scissors thing with Elliot and Hardison. <laughs> oh yeah, rock paper scissors to see who's gonna inject the poor cadaver with this fluid, and Hardison loses because he has a tell. In rock yeah. scissors, which comes yeah. back in a later episode. I love that they they'll bring that back up. We don't find out what it is, though. No, well, no. Yeah. Elliot's so closed mouth. Um, it's a very cute scene, though. It is. Uh, so yeah, but now I'm trying to remember. This is where it got convoluted. Is like the or maybe I was falling asleep. I don't know. One of the two. Where three times and I, I agree with the convoluted. <laughs> like the end, so he's gonna give them five million dollars, and then like the feds get involved somehow. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna give them five million dollars, and um, but in the meantime, he's he's told Randy basically that we screwed you over, and Randy goes to dad. And so they're keeping an eye on Dennis and oh, yeah. they hear him on the phone talking to Nate about the $5 million and I'm going to transfer the money yes. okay, yeah. at the bank. And they're like, oh, he thinks he's going to have this money. I'll transfer it somewhere. He can't get it. So they transfer right. it into um, offshore accounts and then they go to the bank first, though why they weren't like both pulling out of the driveway at the same time, I don't know. Um, and they the dad is signing over signing rights to Randy, which they have wisely not given him before. Yeah. Because Randy, he immediately turns around. Randy a screw up. Finds a way, tries to sign away signing rights, or tries to sign away a controlling interest in the company. Yeah, because he doesn't read the papers that he is given because they do a, um, a switcheroo with the printers. Uh, which is a, you know, we all know this is a thing you can do. You can remote print to a printer yeah. from a phone. Um, yeah. And Hardison does that. Uh, and instead of printing whatever there's, oh, which I guess it was just the 500,000 yeah. Sophie, which he's all apparently like, oh yeah, I know you said you were working with my brother, but now I'm still going to sign this over to you. Um, instead, he has signed over 51% of the shares of their their company. And, but the, he's, oh, he has, to, the dad has to go out to the the parking lot because somebody has smashed his, the, the windshield on his car. And, and in the meantime, like, he runs into Dennis and he says, like, to Dennis, oh, you know, they, then Randy comes up and they have this big altercation and he's like, oh, you think you're going to take our money? Like, we transferred it 
offshore so you can't get to it. And Dennis reacts to that, like, to that, like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't have done that. Right. And then promptly gets into a fight with his brother because, um, you know, this is what we do with our siblings, right. fight um, over dumb things and completely forgets about what the danger of moving all that money was. Because right. clearly Dennis is smart enough to know, like, he has been keeping them just inside the law so they won't yeah. get in trouble. Yeah. And he knew immediately that that was the wrong thing to do, but then he just had to beat the crap out of his brother in a public bank. Right. And then they're sitting at home, like, icing their, their various wounds, not talking about this thing that has just happened. Like, they just forgot about it. But then the feds come in. Um, I guess the state, not feds, but the yeah. state police come in. And because they, they moved so much money or something that triggered. Right. This like, is what I was like. The SEC filed, I, I typed it all, I like rewound it and typed it back up. Um, the, the SEC filed a suspicious activities report after a large transfer of money triggered a security alert. Combined with previous fraudulent actions, they're now being charged with engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity. So I guess that's just going to mean they're going to look more into the fraudulent stuff they're doing. A pattern of corrupt activity? I don't know. But that sounds this results, very convoluted. This results in their house getting taken away. Yes, because Dennis used it as a tax shelter or something. And since Nate now and, and the crew own 51% of the shares, they can do whatever they want with it. And what they do with it is give it to the army guardsmen. Yeah. Who's not going to be able to pay the house note on that? No. Also, that's a butt ugly house. It is really ugly. I mean, I'm just like, the- sell that as soon as possible. Property taxes alone, man. Like, I mean, even if I could pay the property taxes, I wouldn't want to live in such a disgusting McMansion. (laughs) It has those like white, those those glass brick things that are in bathrooms, but weren't in this. It's really bad. And it turns out that Nate was. um, They they panned away in the scene when the cop was talking to Nate in the car, um, and he he tells him, you know, if you just give me forty eight hours. I will, I'll get them to do something that you can catch them on. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he does. That was, a, I like that cop though, even though he yeah. should have freaking taken Nate in. I like that actor. Um, so yeah, they give the, they give the house to the, the client and I guess they, they get all the homes back for the other people who were screwed over. But it made me wonder, like, what did they do with the people who moved into those houses? Like those were innocent people. Right. <laughs> Well, and like also, those houses had been like very, very, very poorly repaired. Like that was part of the whole scam. Like, do we want to move back into these houses? I wonder if they if they flipped them after and then sold them at a higher price range. Like that's what made sense to me um, as a contractor's daughter. But not not a shady contractor's right. Um, yeah, that they would do the shoddy work, get the house on the cheap, and then turn around, flip it, and sell it for much much higher. Um, in which case, it'd be really nice to get those homes back for the original homeowners, but then it would put the new other homeowners people on the street. Right. Yeah. So maybe they gave them money and they could go buy a new yeah. house. Um, and everyone on the list of the the in in the the Glengarry Glen Death high, uh, con, everybody on that list were the four hundred people that they'd screwed over. And Dennis doesn't even recognize a name because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Ugh. Um, and then so they have them handing over the the keys to the the family. And Hardison's like weeping. He's crying. Hardison cries a fair amount, and I really like that. I like that a lot. And um, and then this is the like I should notice this, but this is definitely the second episode in a row where it's the last scene is Sophie and and Nate kind of trying to figure each other out or, or Sophie kind of giving him ultimatums. So she's they're walking on the driveway and 
she tells him, you know, you know, one of these days they might not stick around to back you up. So you've got to get your act together. Because they had this whole conversation earlier about, um, he says, you know, you don't, she says, this isn't you. And he doesn't, she's like, you know, he says, she doesn't know him. And she says, I knew you two years ago. And a lot of things have changed. And he even says, I haven't changed. And then she's like, yeah, you have. She's like, says, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. So they're still, they have, Sophie especially has this idealized idea of Nate in her head. And it's really all crashing down around her that this guy is deeply flawed and really screwed up. And it, yeah. hard, especially if you're in love with someone or in like with someone yeah. and you have to work with them as well. So... He asks her if she's threatening to bail on him, and she says, "Give me a reason to stay," and then just walks off. She's really good at the, yeah, the, drops that line and then walks off. I don't know. Do you think he'll give her a reason to stay? It's a clear like me, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, the next episode, I think, is the um, it's the rehab episode. Oh, back to Jonathan. Um, I was like, I know there's something that he's not totally the worst in. And I was like half right because he's Doyle on Gilmore Girls. Mm. And he's not a lovable character, but he's not unlikable the whole time. Right. Because he's Paris's counterpart. Yeah. I wouldn't want to like have coffee with him. Right. But, but he's, he's not the first I most want to punch in the face on Gilmore Girls either. No. no. Like, or top five. So. <laughs> yeah. So, the book that I'm going to recommend today, and actually, if you just want to talk about it with me, because I know, I think you've read it, um, is Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. I've read it. I love yes. Lee Bardugo. Oh my gosh. So, this is the only Lee Bardugo that I've ever read. Uh, and I need to remedy that because this book is amazing. All the Grisha books are super good. Um, and so that's the same world as this. This yeah. is the Grisha verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a, a heist novel where um, kind of an unlikely crew of people have to come together and like travel to another country and break into this unbreakable, unbreakable fortress basically yeah and get out a scientist and get him back to their their so, Russia universe is like an alternate history russia um where there's magic uh and grishas are like russian witches and the books that the the i don't remember what they're called um smoke and bone or something um that series is set in like imperial russia in this like really messed up um system um and the this six of crows series is set like after that a major all the major events of that those books have like shaken up the world order and that in um it and so like all the Grishas are, are like unstable, like they've lost some of their political power and there's a lot of instability. And so in those Six of Crows books, there's a lot of um, under level, there's a lot of stuff going on about political uncertainty and unrest and like people trying to get magic for themselves and people trying to like harness power because there's like a big power vacuum mm-hmm. for magic users. Um, which I love, like, political intrigue and, like, court drama and, like, people trying to, like, political unrest fantasy novels. Like, I love the Kashiel books. I love anything where there's, like, mm-hmm. a lot of political unrest going on. So it is set in, like, another Eastern European city. So they're outside. in Ketterdam, so. which sounds a lot like Amsterdam to me. Because mm-hmm. there's lots of, like, canals and mm-hmm. things like that. So they have um, Kazbrecker, who's a criminal prodigy i mean if you like tragic backstories yeah yeah kaz is it kaz is the tragicest. and it 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 like unspools like really slowly and just like fits and bursts yeah. because it it the pov of this book like alternates love, between all of the main characters if you love so, han alistair from the cinda williams chima books which like if you if you have not read the cinda williams chima book oh my god 
uh, Han is like another like street rat, uh, thief lord who gets sucked into politics, um, mm-hmm. high fantasy politics. Super great. But if you were into that like Aladdin style, like cocky street thief lord dude, Han, uh, Kaz is the. Yeah. Kaz has got to be. He's oh man, he's got so many so many issues. So we've got we've got Kaz. So I love the the, the kind of the tagline. And so it's a convict with thirst for revenge, a sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager. Oh my god, I love that character. Um, mm. Run away with a privileged past, a spy known as the Wraith. Boy, oh, I also love so much. Um, a heart render using her magic to survive the slums, and a thief with a gift for unlikely escapes. So. Um, What's his name? The convict and the heart render. I've totally forgotten their names. Theirs was like the storylines that I liked the least. But I love them. They're like tragic yeah. love story where they like are from like communities that hate each other hate and they're trying other. to love each other and they cannot get it together. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I knew, I think it was because I kind of knew that we were supposed to really ship those two. But I was right. like, he literally thinks like this is, this is the, uh, um, I hope this doesn't get too spoilery, but he, it's the, it's the fox and the hound thing. Yeah. So, you know, he has feelings. <laughs> He's like subhuman. But yeah, he, he has feelings for this woman, but he literally thinks everybody else who is like her is 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 subhuman is. And I'm just like, you can't you I, you can't have them together if that's how he's going right. to feel. So he needs to have some sort of redemptive arc for me to get behind this. And he does for the most part. But I was just slow so going, Kaz which is, was good because it works through it yeah Kaz is in love with his like second in command kind of person but he's the not having he and he also can't stand the the human touch like he can't stand yeah, being right. touched at all right. which is totally understandable yeah um, but and then we put a crimp in his romantic life uh huh uh-huh. and but then and, and there's gay boys there's gay boys. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's good. And that I, I haven't read the second one yet. So um, I love alternate history. Um, I love witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I love heists, obviously cons. Um, and I love like a good street gang of kids. Mm-hmm. Of like, I love know. unlikely people all brought yeah. together for a common yeah. purpose. Like yes, yeah, yeah. For sure. So definitely, yeah. if you like all of those things, you should read Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. We also, could go if you on. Like Six of Crows, you should read the Seven Realms novels by Cinda Williams Shima. So uh, the next episode will be the Twelve Step Job. This will be episode ten, and then we've only got a couple more after that, and then we'll be finished with season one. <laughs> Just crazy. If you want, so, yeah. I can come talk about being in actual twelve-step programs. Yeah, no, that would be great. That'd be okay. Programs. Would you be comfortable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, because I yeah I don't have any um, experience with that, and it's a fascinating episode um, with like some character like the their client in that episode. I love him. I have um, not watched a really long time, so I don't remember how they do most media really 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 skews up 12-step meetings which is weird because everyone in hollywood is in 12-step programs yeah like there are for sure regional differences but yeah. it's real bad anyway well in this yeah this is straight up rehab and i don't yeah. know if that's yeah, rehab even, is different also yeah than just rehab is not real 12 steps yeah no, so all of that. I'm like, then it should be called the rehab job, but okay, but whatever. We'll <laughs> we'll discuss that in two weeks. Yeah. Um so so all right. Um Corey, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Helen's Twin on Twitter. Uh H-E-L-E-N-S-T-W-I-N. That's also who I am on Instagram. And if you would like to join secret Facebook groups about Instant Pots or uh, Hallmark Christmas movies or 16-step skincare regimes? 16-step skincare regimes. (laughs) I have secret Facebook groups for all of those things. (laughs) 
awesome. I'm also on Tumblr, but I don't post anything. Yeah. Um, let's not share our Tumblrs. That's a deeper, so bad. secret place nobody gets to go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can find oh. me on um, on Twitter and every almost everywhere at librariansd. Um, D is S-T-I, for, for Christina. And yeah, if you uh, want to see me tweet about lipstick and um, yeah. library visits and cute kids, that's where you can that's where you can read that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you won't see us again, but you'll hear us again in two weeks when we talk about the twelve step job. Woo! Woo! Okay. Bye. I can't believe we didn't talk about this, but uh, the last episode is called The Mile High Job, which is not even a double entendre. Right. And then this episode is called The Snow Job. Which is, again, not even a double <laughs> entendre. Um, especially when you, like, think about their first mark was Randy. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I just, I just wanted to point that out. I'm like, oh, oh, these boys writing these titles. Of yeah, these the, 12-year-old boys. Yeah. And they were like, Haha. and actually a woman wrote uh, the Mile High Job. And so she was in, like literally in the credits. She was like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> it's our single entendre. So, I mean, yeah. jokes like that are not uh, gender specific, um, even no. in this Patreon. Because when I was like, I was like, <laughs> the snow job. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I got to bring up that it's called the snow job. And I think Corey will appreciate that. <laughs>